Welcome to Health Matters at Sargent College. The mission of Sargent College is to advance, preserve, disseminate, and apply knowledge in the health and rehabilitation sciences. BU's Sargent College strives to create an environment that fosters critical and innovative thinking to best serve the healthcare needs of society. Each episode of Health Matters at Sargent College will include faculty, students, or alumni who will share their knowledge with you. I'm Karen Jacobs, the Associate Dean of Digital Learning and Innovation at Sargent College, and I'll be your moderator for each episode. Well, on this episode of Health Matters at BU Sargent College, um, it's a delight to have a former student and colleague um, as our guest. Um, welcome, Victoria. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Well, I'm so delighted that we've reconnected and we reconnected through um, Tamiko, who is currently a student in the online post-professional doctorate in occupational therapy. And I heard you being interviewed on her podcast and got so excited that I said, I've got to reconnect with Victoria. Thank you. Yes. And that's one of the things I love most about, about BU and Sargent College is this wide network of um, peers, right, that want to support each other and elevate each other's platforms. And so that's something that you can't replicate at every school. So once a terrier, always a terrier. Absolutely. I love that. <laughs> um, so Victoria, can you share with us when you were at Sargent College, you studied occupational therapy, and maybe what that experience was like, and were there any individuals that you can reflect on that might have had an impact on the start of your career? Oh my word, yes. So I came to Sargent in the early 2000s. I was there from 2000 to 2004, and then um, my degree was conferred in an 05 after my level two field work. Um, it was a life-changing experience. I am um, a first-generation college attendee, which I'm very proud of. Um, so this was an act of faith and obedience um, from my family, and it was one that I definitely did not take lightly. Um, I honestly, when I toured Boston University, I felt this instant connection with the campus and the community, and I really wanted to be a part of it. So when that acceptance letter and that interview was over, I was really thankful to have a seat um, initially, ironically, in the physical therapy program. So actually, Dr. Jacobs, it was a class that was run by you, and it was called Intro to the Healthcare Professions. And in this class, it's collaboratively taught um, with faculty across um, Sargent. And it introduces first-year students to the different health professions. So that is actually where I came to know occupational therapy. And as I was sitting there in my seat, I remember squirming and thinking and sweating that I made the wrong choice. Like I'm this physical therapy major, and I really am an occupational therapist at heart. Like I, everything about the profession resonated with me. Um, the psychological uh, training, you know, the um, 
this blend of art and science. And it was just really this beautiful holistic profession that I wanted to learn more about. So I took a chance and transferred into occupational therapy, knowing that there was a very limited amount of seats for students like myself and very thankful to have been a part of it. I will say um, the faculty at BU was just second to none. Um, it was always a door open policy, you know, as a first generation like myself, um, family advice could only go so far. So the advice of um, professors was invaluable to me. And I really struck a connection to with Dr. Vergara. And she was actually very pivotal on um, introducing me to um, occupational therapy in really a, a role emerging settings at the time. So she was very active in the NICU. And um, I felt like I, she could take me under her wing and I could learn about how to advocate for OT in um, spaces where it didn't yet exist. And so um, I'm just very thankful, very thankful to her. Another reason why I think she resonated uh, well with me was that uh, for people of color, I think it's few and far between where we have professors that look like us, um, that, you know, whose accents maybe resonate something in us as remind us of our parents or our grandparents, um, whose style and culture is blended in the classroom. And um, that just, that meant a lot to me to be, to be authentically myself um, while I was at Sargent has then empowered me to be um, authentically myself, really where whatever space I sit in. Well, I'm sure Elsie will be thrilled. And thank you for the reflection on that course, um, which at that time was interprofessional. So I am thrilled um, that you um, decided that occupational therapy would be a better match for you. Um, so, 2000, what, what have you been doing in these years? I, maybe the better question is, what haven't I been doing? <laughs> oh, I love that, Victoria. What a great way to frame it. <laughs> um, well, I think I was launched into the world, you know, from Sargent, really well equipped and empowered to do whatever I wanted with my career, right? So um, after graduation, um, I obtained a certificate in um, lymphedema care and advanced my career in that specialty practice. And then I um, was accepted into graduate school. So at the time I, I was the last class from Boston University to graduate with a bachelor's in occupational therapy. And of course, wanting to stay ahead of the curve, um, I was delighted when I was accepted to the University of Indianapolis for both my master's and doctorate in health science. And so that course of study took quite some time because I did do it on a part-time basis. So in between um, all of that, so between 2006 and 2014, I was having children, um, getting married and having children, and then um, you know working part-time still while also learning how to be a researcher and leader in the field. Um, a few years ago, I would say it's been about five or six years now, I became heavily involved in our state professional association, the Indiana Occupational Therapy Association, and really fell in love with um, advocacy and how we could propel our profession forward in our state. And 
I'm really happy to announce that Indiana has joined the other states in having direct access to patients for 45 days um, for occupational therapy. Oh, that's uh, congratulations. Thank that, that's you. A wonderful accomplishment. It, it will revitalize our profession in the state, no doubt. And so with that experience, I then became really empowered and inspired to serve at the national level. So I am the current chairperson of the Affiliated State Association of Presidents through AOTA. And in June, I will start my term as a, um, on the board of directors. So, you know, Karen, you've certainly inspired me um, very early on to be, um, have an active role in our professional association. And I see me spreading the same messages that you spread um, when I was a student in your classroom about the importance of joining your professional association and advocating for your profession um, to make policy changes for the betterment of our consumers. So I'm excited to join that role. And then um, to my wonderful surprise and delight, I was an awarded fellow this year through AOTA as well. So the only member on my faculty, um, I'm faculty at Indiana University and one of the youngest to ever receive the award. So I, I wear that badge pretty proudly. Well, I am so impressed with everything that you have accomplished and congratulations on, um, you know, being elected, um, becoming a fellow. And I think we have a virtual um, award ceremony coming up um, as well, because um, as we know, the AOTA conference was canceled when it was in um, Boston last year. It's now virtual. Um, so that'll be exciting to see you getting your fellow. Thank you so much. Yes, that happens at the end of OT months, at the um, end of April. And so I, I'm just um, really, I, I, again, I said I didn't take the fellow lightly. I recognize that sometimes I sit in first spaces and that if I can inspire and give other Latinx or people of color um, the ambition and drive to say, you know, me too, I belong at this table, my voice matters, and to empower others to be authentically who they are, then um, it, it was well worth it to sit in first spaces. Um, I'm, I absolutely agree. And I admire um, your vision for yourself and the profession. And the things that you're doing is helping to change the face, not only of occupational therapy, but also of healthcare and to help us be able to reach out to more people um, in our society to help promote health and well-being. Very important. I completely agree. Um, we know that in healthcare in general, uh, persons of color, our presence is limited. And that is a piece of, of structure that needs to change. We need to have representation across race, ethnicity, gender, um, because it makes us better practitioners of care. Um, our world is increasingly more diverse and we have to have that representation at all levels. So um, when I am doing the community engaged work that I do through my research, when I'm um, you know, teaching and instructing myself now, I recognize that I'm contributing to small percentages that we only hope can increase in the future. Absolutely. And so how, how do you think as a profession, we can help make those changes? 
to make it a more attractive or appealing profession um, for um, anyone interested in occupational therapy to become an occupational therapy practitioner? What change do you think we need? Sure, that's a great question. And it's also a really loaded question. So I'll just provide a few examples of what I think um, might help. Um, number one, I think making our profession a little bit more relatable to minoritized and marginalized groups. Um, a lot of the interventions that we historically use are of the majority population. So really taking at face value and asking ourselves, are we providing interventions that mean something to our consumer, the person sitting right in front of us, or are we pulling from our dominant spheres of privilege perhaps? So um, thinking about ourselves in a way that really is client-centered and what that means from the person sitting across the table from us. Another would be um, to, you know, a, a solution that I know is probably one that requires multiple levels of, of structure and reform is making our profession more affordable to obtain um, higher degrees in, in healthcare. I think that's a barrier. We know that socioeconomic levels are, are a huge barrier for many um, marginalized and mi minoritized groups. So making sure that we have access uh, to education levels from associate's degrees on upward um, and equalizing that educational playing field and then making sure as a professional association that we are transparent in the history that we've had as a profession and that, and that we are transparent moving forward um, where we would like to be. So having a clear vision of how we define diversity and have committed results and tangible outputs to what that diversity can mean. Thank you. And, and you know, your leadership on the board of directors for AOTA is going to be so important because um, you're providing authentic leadership and that's important. And when we look at leadership, I think um, I, and apply the construct of authentic leadership, um, we're all leaders in different ways. And so I think empowering people to see that they can uh, encourage what you are suggesting can be leaders in that way um, is gonna be very powerful. I love that, Karen. And a phrase that I use in my classroom is lead where you are. I wholeheartedly agree with you that we are all leaders in our own right. And that we, when we begin to recognize the power of our voice, we then recognize the power that we have that we can distribute to others to make real change. Well, I love that. And you know, um, you actually had a course with me I think it was, I don't even know what it was called at that time, but it's professional service management where the um, students write letters to legislators and write letters um, to the editors of newspapers. And it's really important, I believe, that in our education, we need to start feeling comfortable communicating in all different ways in written in oral communication you know podcasts <laughs> like this to feel comfortable um, having a voice and sharing um, and so i'm just so proud of you oh thank you and in fact i'll share with you that right after our discussion now i'm meeting with some local media to discuss the importance of occupational therapy within um, our COVID environment so 
certainly things that I used in the classroom, you know, almost 20 years ago are still with me today. So the impact that you, the faculty and Sargent College as a whole um, will be with me forever. Oh, thank you. And before, before we conclude, I've got to ask you, um, what will you share with the media about this? Because that is so important. And we're celebrating Occupational Therapy Month, which is April. Um, this may be aired um, probably maybe in April, but maybe the next month. I, I think people understanding occupational therapy, no matter what month it is, is important. But can you share what you're going to maybe a little bit of what you might share with the media when they ask you questions about occupational therapy and the pandemic? Absolutely. So one of my students just concluded a study of high school athletes, mental health and well-being um, during this COVID period. And she really looked at it through the lens of occupational deprivation. And she had an overwhelming response. Um, over 100 high school athletes and over 400 sets of parents wanted to communicate how this disruption in their everyday life was really affecting their mental health and well-being. So we're taking this, what most of the most of the literature describes as this quote, relatively little, well, this relatively unknown profession of occupational therapy, right? Whenever I read that, I, I cringe, but um, that's how sometimes we're portrayed. And I'm, I'm taking this and, and the great work that we've done together and sharing how disruption in our everyday lives affects our mental health and well-being particularly among high school athletes. So I'm eager to share the results of our study to our local community, Indianapolis community here, and, and hopefully inspire school administrators um, to continue to provide a balance of both public health safety, while also offering opportunities for out of school and leisure engagement. Fabulous. And I'll look forward to, um, I hope, someday seeing a publication of this study, because that's gonna be really important. It's under review as we speak. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Just another way of communicating. And, and as you know, um, publishing is really important to get the message out about what we're doing and, and to help society see the impact um, that can be made um, with some, some changes that are guided by occupational therapy practitioners. So Absolutely. Oh, thank you so much for spending yes. time. I'm so happy you're a terrier. Um, <laughs> I'm very you. proud to be one. Oh, well, thank you for being on Health Matters. Thank you, Karen. Have a great day. Thank you.